Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com slash recommend today. And, uh, and joining us on the nightcap today, it is Thursday, April 9th. Just to remind people, no matter when you're listening to it, it's good to kind of let people know when we're talking to them. And, and today we're talking with uh, Golden Knights TV analyst and a- for AT&T Sportsnet and former NHL netminder, Mike McKenna, close personal friend of the show. Hello, Mike. How are you? Hi, very close personal friends. Very with a couple of uh, asterisks. It's very close. Uh, oh, wow. Good. Been uh, been enjoying uh, learning how on my own how to teach my first grade daughter school. So thankfully, I still remember a lot of the things from kindergarten and first grade. Uh, you know, the counting by tens. I'm pretty good at that. Mm. Um, my daughter's teaching me about social studies, though. So, yeah, it's been interesting. But we've also been pretty busy doing some content for Vegas, and um, you know, just doing like nights report, recording via Zoom, and, and then keeping busy writing a couple articles. We'll have another one coming out soon on on Max Pacioretty, either later today or tomorrow. So, uh, yeah, staying plenty busy while we're in this goofy world as we know it. Yeah, and, and plenty productive. First of all, I, I want to ask what what is the Disney movie or Pixar film du, du jour right now? Because you have a first grade and then you have a younger daughter as well, uh, Mike. And and we know how the young kids get when when you find a film you really like, you get to see it about thirty seven times straight through over and over again. So what's been that film for you guys at least this week? <laughs> well, we just uh, we rented Onward. It came out on demand, you know, because nobody's going to theaters, right? So correct. Uh, they're putting movies out straight to digital right away. So uh, we rented Onward, and how'd my, that go? Well, it was. Uh, let's just say that my soon-to-be seven-year-old cried for about an hour afterwards and couldn't sleep. Uh, oh, the wow. ending. Yeah, I'm not going to give any spoilers, but the ending was tough. And, uh, yeah, we, we had to calm her down. And, and I don't know. I, I, I'm not sold on, on the way they finished it up. But uh, it was cute for a lot of it. Kind of had a Weekend at Bernie's vibe to it uh, with, a, with a character that was, well, not alive, but half alive. And well, so that was interesting. Uh, yeah, yeah, but uh, you know, Frozen's always in rotation, and we're really, really excited. The whole family is about Trolls World Tour coming out. I believe that's that might even be tomorrow. So, oh my goodness, uh, we all love. Yeah, we all love the first Trolls movie, and now the new one coming out. They they branch out into all these different genres, and one of them's going to be heavy metal, and that's right up my alley. So, super really. Excited. 
I that 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 troll the trolls the first trolls movie I I did enjoy as well and it's so much more than just the can't stop the feeling song by Justin Timberlake but what a what a cool creative idea to not just do a sequel but then kind of go a little bit deeper into genres like and and one like you're so passionate about like you said Mike heavy metal that's kind of uh, your second or third love behind obviously your family and like in the sport of hockey and and stuff like that. But but do you think you're yeah. in better shape now chasing those kids around all day or, or around this time last year when the seasons were wrapping up or during those Calder Cup runs that you often still found yourself uh, deep in those playoff runs? <laughs> it's funny. It's, um, you know, we find ourselves finding who's going to be the person to do things now with, with teaching the kids. And I, I can only imagine if I was still trying to play hockey and take care of this at the same time. It just gives you a new respect for everything, whether it's teachers, stay-at-home moms, whoever's taking care of kids, nannies, whatever. Um, for sure. It's not easy. It is not easy. It is a full-time gig. Um, but, yeah, it's, I'd rather be on the ice, you know. <laughs> it was, uh, <laughs> My passion, obviously, is playing hockey, and I love being around my kids, but um, it's truly work. And you really, like I say, you really gain a respect for, you know, just what teachers are doing with your kids, the the everyday contact and the the teaching and trying to be creative, you know, find fun ways to keep them engaged. It's not always easy, and and, uh, it's, it's fun when you see things click, but it can really be troublesome at times. Oh, for sure. And just keeping it original, like you said, keeping them engaged and the kids, you know, they're already probably less than enthused to be spending uh, this much time with mom and dad to to begin with. So uh, like you said, the respect for the teachers are there, but then everybody's in this really weird situation, obviously. Do you you think that kind of transition has been the toughest adjustment for you and your family to make since all this has kind of come down or or are you struggling in other areas or, or at least struggling to kind of put things together and find a routine? Well, you know, you said a word there that I think is kind of key to this is that I'm not going to act like it's been bunnies and rainbows and cupcakes the whole time. It's been hard. Um, Mm -hmm. And and people are struggling, you know, and and not just the financial aspect of everything that's come along with with this coronavirus deal. It's it's just the everyday struggle with doing life differently than you had. You don't have your routines. You're, You're getting more contact with your children than you're used to. You're refereeing two kids constantly who claim to be best friends but appear to be mortal enemies, you know, mm-hmm. it, there's some times where it's been really tough on us, 100%. But, you know, as it's gone on, as we've gotten into the routine, we found out what works, it's gotten much more peaceful, and we're learning when to keep the kids away from each other and what mm. works. And um, But I think it's important for people to know out there, too, that, hey, if, if you are struggling with this, you are not alone. I mean, the strongest families out there, it's changed the dynamic for everybody, and, and we're all finding ways to go about it. Right. We're not used to sharing this much time with anyone, one, let alone uh, like like me, where I'm alone completely besides me and my cat. And that has its definite pluses, but it, it definitely has its drawbacks as well. Uh, but yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting kind of cycle, uh, psychoanalytic uh, process, and it kind of reminds me about uh, those inner team dynamics that you had. You know, when it, when you would be playing and it'd be about mid season, where the end of the season is still so far away, but you've already been doing it for a while and everybody kind of gets on each other's nerves. And sometimes you just got to have one of those uh, locker room talks where you air everything out and put everything out in the open. Or sometimes you just needed to take time away from the rink and get away from your teammates and, and just kind of uh, have a change of scenery and change of uh, audience around you. 
Yeah, you know, we all have our little happy place, and mm. it's not always at a hockey rink, and that that's what separates a lot of us. Some of us just want to be there all the time. Other people have different interests, and kids are really scatterbrained. You can always find something for them, um, mm. but but once they get into something, they just they don't want to let it go, and that can be the hard part is trying to convince them to do something different, to just get them away from what's currently on their mind. And, and for us, you, you nailed it on the head, like as a player, where – you know those times in the season where you get to like January and early February mm-hmm. and you've been going for half a year, three quarters, two thirds of a year, and you're just thinking, let's just get the playoffs. Let's go. It's time. You know, we, we kind of know who's in and let's get it going. And, and that's kind of what we're all fighting through, I think, right now is we're, we're just waiting for that step where we can go, all right, we're all going back to work. No matter what you do in life, whether it's us playing, playing or talking about hockey, mm-hmm. whether you're just looking to go back on the job with whatever it is. That's the hardest part. We just don't know right now, you know, and, and it's, right. it's kind of tough to budget that out ahead, but um, you try to, you just try to find that happy medium and get things to, to try to flesh out at occasion where you're not uh, getting too overwhelmed with everything. And it can be daunting, but you know, I think we're all doing our best job. We can. For sure. The lack of tangible progress just in terms of, of finding a date or at least a general timeline of when things are going to return to some somewhat semi-normalcy. But but that, that happy place, that, that calming uh, just kind of mental skill, that's something that's uh, utilized a lot by, uh, by us as goaltenders. And I wanted to ask you, Mike, because we all have that goalie island we go to if the game is going really well or if it's going really poorly. It's that groove spot. You're either reaching for it because you're uncomfortable or you're living in it because you're grooving uh what was how did you kind of calm yourself down once once things got a little fast around you in the game and things got a little away from you like how did you kind of decompress your your mind and your emotions to get back to the task at hand and kind of settle your brain because if the brain's going too much you know this as 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 much as any hockey player any goalie does if you're thinking too much you're already off track of your goal as a hockey player but especially as a goalie Yep, and you've you've got to find a way to compartmentalize things. It would really kick in, and again, you know this too, being a fellow goaltender, but to explain to people that have never played the position, if you get one or two, really not one, but you get two goals in pretty rapid succession, if there's a third goal in pretty quick time, your mind can start spinning, absolutely spinning. And you start thinking about what if we lose this game seven to nothing, you know, and the best way that I could do to get out of those funks where my, my mind would just start doing the hamster in the wheel was I would just tell myself next save, just make the next save. And I would always tell myself one save at a time. And the reason I did that, and it sounds so rudimentary, like it's the simplest mm-hmm. thing on earth, right? Like one save at a time. Well, of course you dummy, just make one save at a time. Well, no, because We've been trained as goaltenders to constantly do these combination saves in practice. And, you know, you've you got to make the first save and then get over to make another save. And you start thinking about what's happening after what can potentially happen first. And the first mm-hmm. thing that's going to happen is you've got to get in front of the first buck. You can't be worried about your secondary positioning on the next one. So, you know, there were times where I was willing to sacrifice even, you know, a little bit of aggressiveness in terms of positioning or something just to make sure I was at least on angle and had a chance at the first save uh, rather than trying to overdo it. Because when you start to press, when you start getting outside of your groove, like you said, like where you're, you're over aggressive or you're pushing too hard and trying too hard, 
Mm-hmm. That's when the game gets fun. You want to make the game as simple as you can, and you just try to filter everything down to that next save, and you give yourself mental clues to do so. Absolutely. That that spiral to just make that next save. But like you said, uh, Mike, before you make the first one, if you're already worried about that positioning, you're not going to make the first save, so the second save isn't even going to be there for you to make. There's no points. You have to let the game and, and the situation come to you. And and that's something that I feel like you kind of it's I don't think it's a light bulb moment when you when you learn it, but it's something you're told over and over. And then someday it just kind of clicks or settles within you or you just have one of those experiences to be like, oh, yeah, that's what they were talking about, even though that's exactly what I already kind of knew. Uh, what was what was your earliest memory uh, goaltending, Mike? I, I, I'm curious because we all kind of have that that general story of how we 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 got to the position, why we were drawn to it. What was it? The pads? Was it some coach? But in terms of uh, your in play memory, there I have one that sticks out to me in 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 uh, my first game playing goaltender, and and it it wasn't a good memory. I'll say that right now. Uh, but what was that for <laughs> you? Uh, and how old were you? And 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 just kind of walk us through that. Oh, it's clear as day. I I was probably five years old in my first year of organized hockey. And, you know, back then you'd rotate goaltenders. Everybody would put the gear on, they'd play a game sure. or two. And, and I always wanted to be a goaltender. That's That was that was it. But thankfully my grandfather and my dad had the foresight to make me learn how to skate first. I had to play at least two years of, you know, general hockey before specializing sure. as a goaltender. And I'm, I'm very thankful that they did that because I learned to understand the game and not just being a goalie and standing there like people think you do. Um, it got me to learn how to skate a little better. But my first time I was ever in the net was at Afton Ice Arena in St. Louis, Missouri. I can remember this clear as day. It was cross ice. And I, it went pretty well. And the funny part is that we actually have the tape of it. My grandpa had one of those camcorders no that looked like a way. wolf on his shoulder. Yeah, I mean, this thing, it, it was the size of a dresser, you know, like just <laughs> huge. And uh, I think he even had to have it on a tripod. It was so big. But he's filming. And you can, I make a save. And I and by make a save, I, it means flop to the ice and keep it out of the Correct. Net. Yes. I make the save. And my grandpa, you can hear him on the thing say, Oh no, we're never going to get him out of there. He's having oh, way no. too much. <laughs> yeah, and... <laughs> it's not even and about the was... video; it's about the commentary at that point. That just made you. That's so spot yep. on, though. It was bang on. It was a hundred percent bang on, and, and you know, I, I'm like I get emotional thinking about my grandpa because there were so many things that that were like that and similar to it, and you know, he lived until uh, just before high school for me, so I guess twelve, thirteen years old. You know, I know I'm almost 37, but just being with him for those first, you know, 12, 13 years of my life, there were so many of those moments. And it, it always kind of, he was always kind of in my back pocket, if you, if you will, you know, when I was sure. playing, just thinking about like those, those childhood times that when, when things really just were fun, you know, and that's what all that mattered. Absolutely. He, he imprinted on you. And then obviously you, that's, that became your livelihood. Hockey's always going to be a part of your life. So he was part of the foundation. So it makes total sense, uh, why you would have so much uh, admiration and affinity for him, even though, like you said, he passed away when, when you were still young. Uh, did you, when you, when you started playing other than just like the flopping, which I really could only equate to like, say you put a giraffe on skates and they're just realizing that their legs are really skinny. It's just the Bambi on ice effect kind of, did you, 
I was always I was always just like I wanted to be in battle drills. I wanted to 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 go out and and just go out at the top of the crease and and try to cover the puck and try to muscle through people. But it wasn't always the thing that I was necessarily best at. And and a lot of times, you know, the stuff that we're not good at, whether it's a, as a goaltender or just an athlete in general, that stuff we're we're not we don't gravitate towards to work on as much. So what was a, a type of drill or or scenario that you kind of always struggled with? Or I, I don't want to say your soft spot. Uh, as a goaltender, but we all have our dominant sides or dominant saves that we like to make or just are more developed than others. What, what was that for yeah. you that, that you struggled with? Well, you know, there's a couple. It, it depends what time frame in my life and career for sure, but if we go back to the early years of it, it was a constant battle between myself and coaches that constantly were repeating to me, stand up, stand up, stand up. Mm. And remember, this is the late 80s, early 90s, where there was still that thought that stand-up goaltending was the way to do it. Sure. And I fought that. I fought it hard. I mean, I saw, and this is, Ed Belfort was one of the first really butterfly, and Patrick Waugh, and, and sure. I relate to guys who I saw a lot in the building going to Blues games, because my dad was an off-ice official, you know, that, and he was compensated with tickets, not money. So, so I was very, very fortunate. Works for you, didn't games. it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and well, and I'd go watch the opposing goalie in warmups, you know. So I'd right. watch Ed Belfold, Joseph, and and so the butterflies coming in, but the coaches are still telling me to stand up, and I'm going, this doesn't make any sense, you know. And like even through '96, '97, Pee Wee teams, they're starting other kids that could hardly stop anything, but because they stood up, they they thought they were great. Right. And here I am, don't go down on every shot. What are you doing that for? Well, because players can't raise the puck. Um, so that was a constant battle um, for me, just from that aspect. It wasn't that I wasn't necessarily good at it. I just, I didn't agree with that philosophy. And then right. as I got older, though, I can tell that this one's clear as day because it's it's near and dear. Uh, I'm drafted by the Nashville Predators. So I'm 19 years old. Uh, being a college kid, that was the first year you could be drafted in my age group. Okay, that's changed mm-hmm. since. Now it's just 18 across the board. Used to be back in the college, day. Yeah, yeah, I know. I'm dating myself. 2002. <laughs> and um, so I get drafted, and Mitch Korn is the goalie coach in Nashville. Legendary goalie coach. Worked in Buffalo with Dominic Hoshik, Nashville, Braden Holpe in Washington. Now he's absolutely. with the Islanders. I mean, an absolutely legendary guy in terms of goalie coaching. Should be in the Hall of Fame, if you ask me. But Mitch grabs me, and he goes, Mike, you're a big man but you can't skate. And first off, like I'm six, two. So back then in 2002, I was a big man. And now I'm like average at best, maybe a little right. undersized for a goalie. Um, but he said, you can't skate. And I was like, what the hell do you mean? Like I, I, I can skate. And I had no clue. Cause nobody had ever taught me how to be a powerful skater as a goalie. And we're not talking power skating around circles in the crease power skating. And he was dead on. He was right because he sent me to get a guy named Chris Economo, who is my goalie coach forever afterwards. And, and one of my best friends now, and I showed up and there were 10 year olds skating circles around me. Circles around me. Um, but you know what? I took a lot of pride in it. And I think by the, by really the midpoint of my career, skating had really become one of my strengths. And, and I was really proud of that because I had to work for it. Right. 
and I want to I want to ask you a little bit more specifically about that because it's super interesting just based off of like you said when you came up and how goaltending was changing just as a style but you know by the time we we get to what 15 16 17 you're pretty much foundationally set now you're 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 tweaking you, you can go to the 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 specialist like you did but it's it's a really tough putt to try to remake some uh, an aspect of your game especially like skating so for you at that point you know what a tee push is you know what a shuffle is you know what leg to get up with correctly to to be efficient in your movement cross crease and whatever else so what was the next level thinking of 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 the skating uh improvement for you was it managing your weight better so you could so you could power through and get across quicker and make sure that you you're not getting out of control body wise was it edge work was it just management uh how what what was missing from your game at that point yeah, it was definitely the edge work uh, and the power that came with it. And but you know what though, like, uh, and I, I'm kind of shooting you down on this a little bit. I it wasn't until college that I taught myself the proper leg to recover with. Really, so we're talking about we're well, talking about maybe that's maybe that's me uh, me projecting the d- the development I had right. later on because you played it at a different time than I did. So m- that's my mistake. Correct. Like, I just watched. I'd love for you to see this. I just watched video from a game for me in Phantom AAA. And, man, I look like Craig Billington out there. Knees are off the ice. One pad saves. Sure. It's it's shocking how much my game changed from 15 to 36 at the end of my career. Like, unbelievable to see how different it was. And, And even going back and looking... At games from like 2007, 2009, you know, right. I'm, I'm doing regular regular VH on the post and paddle down, and, and right. it just changed. Everything did drastically. Um, but yeah, but like, it, you know, if that was the part was like constantly changing. But to go back to the skating, though, um, and, well, I guess too, it's worth saying that goalies now at 18 or 19 are pretty much technically set. They've learned everything since right. they were 10. But that's so, that's part so that's, that's the, part of the timeline here too, Mike. Like you said, it, it's 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 professionalized now, so that we know which legs are the most efficient. We teach that at age five versus you figuring it out at nineteen. Right, because I didn't have mm-hmm. a goalie coach at all. Mm-hmm. I never had an in-season goalie coach until I was probably thirty years old. Okay, that's full-time crazy. guy. Exactly, you know, and you're supposed to develop goaltenders, and your most important position on the ice, and you don't even get any coaching. Figure that one out, you know. I know, right? Um, but, but. Regardless of all that, like I found and what I was taught was that I was really just doing a lot of backward skating and flowing around rather than doing C cuts with hard stops, hard pushes, using my edges to really be under control and be powerful. So what I was doing was was essentially just I was just lazily going about my business is what it came down right. to. You know, I was kinda I was kinda drifting into things and I wasn't very precise and like as I got older and started to teach things, those were some of the keywords I would say was don't drift, you know, right. and don't wiggle and your butt say, when you're trying to, when you're trying to play that angle as the play is coming towards you, when you step out at the top of the crease, you don't want to do that. You want to stop on that right. edge, snap that yep. leg and right back would, and, uh, b- below you so you can move into your next save without any, any, uh, inhibition from the previous move you just used. Yeah. And, and, and kind of, you know, with me, I go back to my, my childhood in racing too and think of racing terms. And it was always, mm. it was hit your marks. You know, it's a racing term for whether it's pit stops or, or turn in for an apex or anything, but it's the same with goaltending, hit your mark, know where you want to be at the top of the crease, push as hard as you can to get there and get stopped and get ready. And, right. and it made my game efficient and it cleaned it up because I was beating passes. I was waiting on shots and it just ultimately let me be much more patient in the net. 
And that's the aspect of timing. I think that that people don't talk about a lot with goaltending because I always I always say when we talk about prospects or when guys are coming in the league because historically, you know, to have guys like Mark Andre Fleury playing at the NHL level, level or Carey Price when they're eighteen, nineteen years old, or what we're seeing, you know, uh, in Philadelphia right now, where, where you spent some time, that's rare. Usually, it's mid twenties because when guys are still growing, because it takes them a they, they usually they're they're continuing to grow into their twenties. All those hitting of the marks are not just dependent of the speed of the game, but how your body is configured and how you feel in your own skin. So as you're putting weight on, as you're stretching out more, those marks, that timing is changing uh, almost day to day sometimes. So that's I, I just wanted to kind of bring that up and illustrate that for people because I feel like we just assume, well, they just need more time to get up to the speed of the shots. No, they've been—you guys face pretty hard shots as you come up through the levels. Like, there's always one guy, oh. in, regardless. Like, everybody works on their shot. That's not what makes NHL players great and and differentiates them from from the others. It's everything else. But it's about yep. being comfortable in your skin and how you move as a goalie. And it's not going to be. It's not gonna be just like everybody else else's. Like you were when you were growing up, and there's stand up, stand up. Well, that's not how my body's built or the style that I play. So that's not gonna work. Interesting. Yeah, and it wasn't working anyway back then. They just these coaches refused to believe it. But you Mm -hmm. know, I, I always liken it, and I try to get people to in their heads go about things that they can understand it easier. And I always tell people, hey. What were you like physically at 18 years old when you went to college versus 22 when you left college? Right. And I'm not exactly. even talking about athletes. I'm not even talking about athletes. I just mean the general public here, mm-hmm. you know, aside from people that maybe hit the frozen yogurt bar hard. But I mean, like, think about how much your body grows and matures and changes. Right. That's what you face as NHL athletes and goaltenders, especially that you're still growing into your own skin and, you know, it used to be 24-25 is when you were expecting goalies to mature and get to the NHL, but that right. has been accelerated too. I mean, now you're looking at if this guy plays two years in the American Hockey League and doesn't make the NHL by the third year, they're considering the guy a bust. And that's right. just like, that's hard to believe because the patience isn't there. They're looking for phenom kids to come in and take care of business and be out of the league by 30 years old. You know, it's just, right. it's changed so drastically. And it's yeah. really why Mark Andre Fleury is so amazing that he just keeps keeps going, and he started playing the NHL at eighteen. You know, right? I he mean, was an outlier. Unbelievable! Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no, but the, and at least like it's understandable how uh, that kind of mentality is started to mirror what they've done with forwards now because we see more and more guys coming straight out of the draft or straight out of the O or 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 college or whatever and playing at eighteen, nineteen. There's so much youth in this league, and so it's only natural that it's going to eventually trickle down to the to the goalie side. And 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 as we said earlier in, in our talk here, Mike, these kids are getting training that you and I didn't have access to until you were a professional, till I was in college. And they're getting this at such a young age. And so they're prepared for it. But at the end of the day, if your body's still growing, you can have all the training in the world. You still got to figure this out. You still have to uh, put all the puzzle pieces together. The puzzle's not going to finish itself. Yeah. And what's made it hard, too, is that it's kind of this dual, excuse me, kind of this dual edged sword where, you know, you don't want to tell a kid that he has to go and get private training in the 10 year old or else he doesn't have a chance of making the NHL. But it's kind of true. And that's like, that's not, it cool. is for the goalie like, position. 
Yeah, and that's the way the U.S. and Canada is. You have to go out and obtain your own private coaching to even have a chance mm-hmm. versus Europe where it's institutionalized, where the youth hockey system has the goalie coaches built into it. So uh, that's right. what you face. It's different here. It's very capitalistic in terms of that. Um, but it, it's just it's a, it's a different way. And, and, and too, like part of it is that, you know, now you've got kids that have been butterflying since they were eight or nine years old. And, and these, these, these boys and girls are having hip surgeries at 20. All the injuries. It's awful. Right. So yeah, it's crazy. The stress it puts on their hips, you know, one in four people have a square peg and a round hole in their hip. And if you play Mm -hmm. goalie, you're going to need surgery. Um, it's, um, it's not what we what we do as goalies is not natural. You know, it's not no. what the body's built to do. <laughs> no, and as you said, some of us are are built in a in a somewhat counterintuitive way. I'm one of those people that has a has a misshapen uh, top of my femur with my hips. I'm gonna have to get them shaved down and, and refitted one of these days. But but that's the thing. It's just it's just this constant. Uh, abuse and when you have that specialized training when you have those technical movements or if you're if you're a little bit too you know detail specific at 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 certain young ages that can work against you just as much as not getting any training at all that's why it's such a uh, it's a luck thing it's 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 personality and that just speaks to how how tough it is just to make it in hockey you can't just show up and and even and do the training there's so much more that goes into it and and whether or not you're going to be successful and and uh, you mentioned Mark Andre Fleury. I don't want to go. Uh, I could talk about your and I, your and my career the whole time, but we got to have some Golden Knights uh, talk here, <laughs> a little bit more specific. Um, but I just wanted to get your thoughts because we are uh, dealing with a really weird situation. We're not sure when the when the season's going to come back if it's coming back at all. But as goalies, we we've done a relatively uh, good deep dive here already. Uh, in terms of staying ready and staying in shape, you know, these guys don't have access to the rink. Everybody's kind of making it up uh, what they have at home. But in terms of what the Golden Knights have in their goalie stable with, with Marc-Andre Fleury and, and Robin Leonard right now, how, how how do you think they're approaching the, not just the physical side but the mental side and making sure that they're keeping that edge because there has to be so much more work that goes into just maintaining, you know, your 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 level zero right now because there's just so much change. Well, I don't envy it at all. I, I mean, I, I had one or two summers where, you know, I didn't pick the gear up until really late in the summer, and it was mm-hmm. fine. Uh, it was a couple weeks before training camp, like, you know, three weeks before, and then maybe two weeks ahead I started to get serious about it. And, and that was never really a problem for me, but I can tell you what it did mentally is it made me nervous every time. It made me nervous that I wasn't going to be ready and my body was going to somehow forget. And it always took me a couple of weeks to get my tracking back. You know, my muscle memory in terms of how to actually do things mm-hmm. was always there. So for Mark Hitting Andre, for Robin Leonard, yeah, for Mark Andre, Robin Leonard, the, the mechanics of playing goaltender, it's not going to go anywhere. What's going to be the struggle for them and for every goalie across the league is the tracking of the puck, you know, and fighting through screens and gameplay. You can't replicate it. You can't replicate tracking the puck. We've all seen Jim Craig catch tennis balls off a wall, off the floor. It's not the same as a puck being shot off a stick. It's just not. Right. And, you know, you can do everything you can. You can. How many goalies do you see that juggle? Juggling doesn't do anything for a goalie. No, juggling it's a fun party trick, though. It, yeah, I mean, it might get you a couple of drinks at the bar, you know, or something like it's, it is the party trick. Like juggling means you're a good juggler. Right. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it, I mean, yes, it may be able to help you with your hand eye a little bit, but what you really miss is seeing pucks coming at you. And, and that's right. what's hard about it. 
um, their cardio. I don't have as much concern with that. I mean, Mark Andre is in fantastic shape. Uh, Robin Leonard's been able to come into camps and be good right at the start of seasons too. So yeah. I, I wouldn't be as concerned about that. I think they can battle through the cardio aspect of it pretty easily. Um, but the tracking, it's, that's really what is tough to do and really why at the start of the season when things are chaotic, when systems aren't in place, when there's turnover right. in, in team personnel, some goalies are better than others at the start of seasons. But what really makes me excited is that Marc-Andre Fleury started this season absolutely on fire. Mm-hmm. And because he's such a, a, a read goalie and rhythm goalie like that, it, it I think it plays into his favor myself mm-hmm. uh, much more than some guys who really have to spend a month and a half before they feel comfortable. Um, but, man, I don't envy the task at all. It's not going to be easy uh, when it comes time to play hockey again. Right. And, and I remember even some of the drills that I would do, uh, when I was getting goalie training, when I was younger, uh, later in my career, I remember they would have like coat racks that they would put on wheels and they would like, they would hang goalie equipment and put it in front of you. And so you would be fighting through traffic, but that's as close as it, even when you do that and you have the screen, you have a really good shooter. The mentality isn't there. The stress of the game isn't there. The, the mindset is you can't recreate it. And, and, and you're absolutely right. And I think, and I, and I agree with you on, on Mark Andre Fleury's kind of, uh, patchwork goaltending style where he relies a lot on uh, athleticism, which favors, you know, kind of the gong show type of hockey mentality, but that favors certain types of teams too. You know, like uh, you talked about Marc-Andre Fleury getting off to such a good start. Remember what the Edmonton Oilers were doing at the beginning of this year when everybody was still figuring right. things out? Like, it, yep. that's the thing is that there there are so many different uh, outcomes and simulations, not for this, not just for the league, but specifically that the Knights or each individual player that is just so up in the air because so much is up in the air. So I want to ask you, do you think that we're going to get back? We're going to see, uh, some, uh, uh, wrap up of this season. Are we going to see some playoff hockey eventually? Or is this just a question we need to stop asking at this point and just say, well, we'll figure it out when we know more information, whenever that comes down. That seems like the best way because we're all in the same boat with this. You know, how can we, none of us are, is pathologist the right word or pedometeologist or somethingologist? Like, Sounds right. Science. We don't know when this is going to end, period. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, everybody wants to see hockey again. And I think that we can all hang our hats on the NHL trying to do everything they can to get this season finished one way or another in the safest way possible, you know, and we talked about this in the Knights report uh, the other day when we recorded it, that it almost seemed unfathomable at the beginning of all this to play hockey in empty arenas. And now we're at the point where that almost seems like a foregone conclusion in some ways, which I mean, I think we'd all love to see it back so you could have fans in the building. That's what players want. That's what the owners want. That's what everyone wants. Um, But what we really need is to have that Stanley cup presented. And, And at least in a way that, like somebody's going to be mad about whatever the system is for playoffs. Sure. If, you know, period, like fair is cotton candy. That's what you get at the fair, but mm-hmm. you know, we got to see the cup presented if at all possible. And, you know, no matter what people are going to be starved for it. And I just, I hope it happens. And the way you put it is really right. I mean, 
it's almost not even worth talking about will we or won't we. It's only worth talking about, hey, what maybe scenarios and let's throw some spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. And, you know, maybe somebody can have bragging rights on coming up with the, the way that the NHL decides on someday. But I sure hope the season finishes, but especially for Golden Knights fans, because the team was, was really hitting its stride and, and mm-hmm. had a great chance to win the Stanley Cup, I think, as good as anybody in the league. And it's really excited to be part of it. Yeah, absolutely. And and it would be it, not just because we, we wouldn't see hockey. That would obviously be a really weird thing and a really unfortunate thing. But just think of all the other implications that it would have just saying, well, this season's done. Well, what about all the all that like take the Golden Knights, for example, they went out and traded for Robin Leonard and he's going to be a free agent a- after whenever this season is done. That was going to happen before all this came down or, or otherwise. How are we going to deal with that? Are I, I assume he, they would become a free agent if they decide to just go on to the next season and everything would continue a, as it goes. But then you have teams that have made decisions that, that that affected and impacted their future that they didn't get a return on. There's so much right. uh, that that you can kind of uh, gleam into and get into with, with that stuff. But regardless, I, I share with you, I just want hockey back. I I, I enjoyed a, a few days of the break. But now I'm just kind of like, all right, I would like to see people. I would like to go to the rink. I would I just want some sense of normalcy. And and it's it's definitely something that I, I didn't think I was gonna miss uh as quickly as I did. Yeah, well your socials are showing that your cats are having a great time. You may be a yes. little bit crazy, but your your cat's having a blast having you around all the time. <laughs> this is true. Yeah, Her these- hand eye coordination yeah. training is going super well. Super well. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah, well, we're all in the same boat. We want to see hockey again. And, and you know, it, talk about return on players and trades that are made in futures. I, I you know, yesterday I was reading a, a question and answer with Mario Andretti, of all people, and he said that everything in life is manageable. Mm. And that just, like, really struck a chord with me as this super simplistic statement that, you know, even if you're dealt a bad hand, you can still manage it better than somebody else who's dealt a bad hand, you know? For sure. So, you know, and you look at those examples of, of of teams who like look at the Islanders. They lose Tavares. Everybody thinks they're dead in the water. Right. And, great you know, point. And they're a great team the next year. So, um, I just think that no matter what, you can you can find a way. And really, what it comes down to is is the guys in the locker room, the belief they have in the coaching staff, and the belief that the management has in every player. And mm-hmm. all we've seen from the Golden Knights is everybody on the same page this year. Yeah, for sure. It's, it's going to be weird either way. And it's just, it's there, there's an asterisk uh, above all these seasons anyway. So let's just hope there's something uh, that can, that can be uh, uh, salvaged from all this. Well, I don't want to take up too much of your time. Cause I know uh, you got your two young girls. You might have to get frozen on again and, and, and you got to make sure the, the pillow forts aren't getting too uh, out of hand, but I wanted to thank you, Mike, for taking some time to, to hang with us today and chat with us. And uh, as you said, you're, you're doing, you're still doing work with the Knights. Where can we find all that? What's your social platform, all of that good stuff. Yep. So everything with, you know, at Golden Knights, myself, my personal at Mike McKenna 56, uh, whether it's Instagram, Twitter. Um, but yeah, if you, you can keep your eye on all the Vegas socials, we've been doing stuff there consistently. So uh, whether it's web-based, whether it's the YouTube channel, uh, among other things, staying plenty busy. And yeah, I think we might have gym class downstairs with a little hockey with the girls today. So I'm looking nice. forward to that. Absolutely. Well, thanks again, Mike. Uh, Stay well, and uh, hopefully we see you down here in the Vegas area very soon here. Absolutely. Thanks, Lindsay. Anytime. Thanks, Mike. 
And that'll do us for us here, at least this week on the Nightcap. We're uh, hoping to push out at least one good, juicy podcast a week as we're going uh, through whatever uh, time period this is, whatever we call this phase of life, the COVID-19 life. That is what we are living. Uh, but make sure you check out that and uh, and, and download that radio.com app on the Apple uh, podcast. Subscribe, rate, send compliments, send uh, concerns, all of those things. Uh, we we want to make sure that we are keeping you guys entertained, especially in the hockey sense through this really tough time. This has been the Nightcap on CBS Sports Radio 1140. Good enough. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.